0: Governors remain in hot water. The House passes two key bills this week, and the Senate narrowly passes the COVID relief bill. Hey, girls and guys, I'm Brandy with an eye, and this is Did You Hear the News? It's been a crazy week for news, so let's just get right into it. Update from last week's episode, you will recall we discussed Neera Tandon and the struggle that she was having uh, in her confirmation because of past tweets, not necessarily because she was not qualified or because she had possibly done terrible things before but because of her mean tweets well the white house rescinded her nomination and they decided to withdraw that she's going to be fine listen she'll be okay president biden's going to put her you know in some kind of role in which she will be a okay she won't need senate approval to do that so she'll still have a place in the biden administration so good for her I still struggle with the idea that she's not going to be approved because of the fact that some people just did not like her tweets from, you know, years ago. But what can you do? I guess it's a lesson to all of us to be mindful of what we tweet. I'm probably not going to do that. I don't think I'll ever be nominated for anybody's cabinet. And if I ever do, it's too late. already told it. Moving on. Someone who just keeps finding himself in hotter and hotter water is New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Oh, my gosh. Didn't we want to like him so bad? Didn't we just want to just love him so bad? His Him and his little relationship with his brother, Chris Cuomo. We wanted it to be cute, but apparently it's not. Um, apparently... Governor Cuomo has just been doing some not so wholesome things behind the scenes. He has been accused by three women at this point for sexual harassment or um, just inappropriate actions altogether. I think two of them were actually staffers or aides. And one of them is a young lady who met him at a wedding I think in 2019, uh, he grabbed her face and tried to kiss her. And, you know, she pulled away like, "Mm -mm, why would you do that? And then um, apparently he also had, you know, put his hand on her back, which she also, you know, kind of had shown some discomfort towards. And then I think that's when he like put his hands on her face and tried to kiss her. Uh, Listen, there were pictures. There were pictures. And that, just made it even worse because you can see on this girl's face that she kind of looked absolutely disgusting and I totally understand. Uh, and then apparently it, it appears she reached out to a friend afterwards in text message to discuss how weird and frightening that experience was, which once again, totally understandable. Uh Just a wild time. The governor has said he's not going to resign. He did offer an apology. So he wrote an apology last week. And then, you know, he offered a apology in a news conference where it was a whole lot of if I made someone feel that way, and it appears I did. I'm really sorry. That's not what I meant to do. Like, the face grab is just one of my signature things. I got it from my pops. And uh, it's just a thing I do to all the people. You can find pictures everywhere of me doing that to so many different people. Men, women, children, babies, dogs. And um, I don't know. I don't know if the apology is going to be enough. I think they're still uh coming for his head. They want it on the platter. And um, we'll just have to see. He urged the public to please wait for the investigation to be completed before everyone jumped to conclusions. I uh, just, at this point, I think, you know, it might be best that he just resign, but he said he's not going to do that. And very shortly after he held this conference, information came out that apparently his aides changed the coronavirus numbers back in August which is a big deal because if you recall he had previously said or his uh his team had previously said that they kind of froze when they received the request from the federal department for their numbers and so they kind of doctored them a little bit but apparently it appears the doctoring came in August and so to that Cuomo and his administration sent out a message saying that they actually had removed those numbers because they weren't sure if they had aligned with some standards, I think, from another uh, association. And they, they weren't verified. So in order to make sure that they were showing the most accurate numbers, they removed those and everyone was okay with that at the time. It seems like the goalpost is moving And it's just not looking good for him, but he's determined and he's going to stay where he's at. So we'll just see how it goes for him. Either get worse before it gets better or it could just not get better at all. Who knows at this point? Another governor who received lots of backlash and who a lot of people were scratching their temples at was... Greg Abbott, who announced this week that he would not only be removing the mask mandate on Texas, he would be opening the state back up at 100%, which sent all the health care people in a frenzy in Texas, around Texas, Dr. Fauci. Everyone kind of lost their minds because number one, Texas is like the biggest state. They've already kind of been pretending like coronavirus isn't even a thing. But to open up 100% and get rid of the mask mandate just seems like overkill at this point. Overkill. Like you didn't just have a winter storm that left people in your state dead and dying or starving or freezing. And it's just like... Read the room, Greg. Read the room. If it, it appears that he's trying to get people to forget about the winter storm that left people dead and starving and freezing. And so he was like, I guess if it's just going to be bad, let's make it worse. But the funny thing is that in order to get ahead of what will probably be a... Surge in coronavirus cases. He of course goes on Fox News or wherever people will let you talk without ever fact checking you, and says President Biden has released the immigrants and the migrants onto Texas, and they are spreading coronavirus. He's just let them run loose around Texas, where everything's bigger. And they are the ones who are spreading coronavirus to Texans. Now, here's what's confusing about that. If you believe that the migrants are spreading coronavirus up and through Texas, why would you remove mask mandates and open everything at 100%? If that's your true belief, Why would you say, well, the president is basically making everything and everyone more vulnerable to coronavirus. So let me also fan those flames by removing mask mandates and opening everything up at a hundred percent. It's not making sense, Greggy. It's not making sense. But what makes it even worse? And it always, it always gets worse. Governor Abbott is actually stalling the federal funds to test immigrants and migrants for coronavirus before they're released from whatever facilities that they're at. So The federal government is trying to work with the state government to make sure that when these migrants and immigrants are being released, that they can at least be tested so one would know if they're spreading coronavirus, right? The least you could do. But he says, that should be all on the federal government. You guys shouldn't even be working with us on that. You should be in charge of doing all of that. And it's like, but Greggy, you're the one who has to approve the funds. And it makes no sense for the mayors and the local authorities to be trying to work with the president to make sure that their constituents aren't being vulnerable to COVID from migrants and immigrants, of course. But you're the one who's holding up the funding for the testing so that can happen. You know what? It's just anything for these Republicans to be contrary to President Biden so that they can show that they are loyal to the party and to the orange man. Anything, anything they can do, even if it makes no sense at all. Anything they can do to show that they are loyal to him. It's just, it's just ridiculous. So that's where Governor Abbott is. It's really disheartening because he has put like small and local businesses in a tough spot because these are people that do want to be open, of course, but they want to do it safely. They are worried about their health. They're worried about the health of their employees. And they don't want to have to fight with people who don't want to wear a mask. They really don't want to have to literally get into physical altercations and call the police on people who are screaming my rights in America because they don't want to wear a mask for however long it takes them to patronize the business. And it's it's putting these people in a hard spot. And it's like he doesn't care. He doesn't care. These people don't care. It's just really disheartening and it's disgusting. And then you guys, you sweet children of God who say, I don't even understand why y'all are getting so mad. You don't have to wear your mask if you don't want to. If you want to wear your mask, wear it. I wish it was that simple. I wish it was that simple. This whole pandemic would not be that serious if it were that simple. The original guidance for wearing a mask was because it keeps you from spreading your germs to other people. It keeps you from spreading your germs to other people. It keeps me from taking in too many of your germs. If you are to be around me with no mask, spreading your germs to other people, (laughs) I saw this woman on a CNN clip, and she said she didn't believe in masks because all of the people she knew that got coronavirus wore masks, and she didn't wear the mask, and she was just fine. And I said, you know what? If those are your friends, and they were around you. And you possibly had coronavirus and were asymptomatic and didn't know it. And you were around them spreading your germs. That might be why they got sick, Susan. Common sense. All the common sense goes out of the window. Like if this weren't a group project, then of course we would be like, whatever. Everybody do what you want to do. It's a group project. And America's failing. As per usual, we're failing because we can't do anything together. We can't ever come together unless it's somebody foreign coming to attack us. We can't we can't get together otherwise. It's ridiculous. Greg Abbott doesn't care about Texas. Like Ron DeSantis doesn't care about Florida. Because why? It has been recently reported that on top of the fact that we know many other affluent neighborhoods have already been getting the vaccine and have been given access to vaccines. If you follow the trail, you'll find that many of those places where the vaccine have been placed, somebody in those communities gave large donations to Governor Ron DeSantis. He has raised, I think, over $3 million in the last few months alone. And if you follow the vaccines, you will find the donations. It also appears that back in January, a very affluent neighborhood in Florida got the vaccine. In January, before senior citizens and those that qualified, these wealthy individuals got the vaccine. This man is receiving donations upwards of $250,000 and then you look and boom there's vaccine made available in the community where that donation came from. Ron don't you think we see you? Nikki Fried? Nikki Fried has been all on the TV and I'm really glad because she seems to be the only person in Florida right now who is trying to take it to Ron DeSantis on a global scale and I appreciate it because WTF Ron. You don't think we see you? I just y'all don't think we see y'all. It's so confusing. It's so it just makes no sense that y'all will do this right in our faces. And then when you say some, it's like, well, I mean, do y'all want vaccines or not? It's like, well, you're not giving it to us anyway. So what do you mean? What are you trying to say, Ron? Like, you're not giving us the vaccine anyway. You're making teachers go back to school. But you're not putting them in the priority list for vaccines. What are you? What are you even threatening at this point? What are you even threatening at this point? And this is the man who got the most percentage votes of who would be the nominee if they ran for president at CPAC. Yeah, that's that's the bad shape we're in down here in Florida. Not to mention our previous former president. Actually, got the vaccine in January before he left the White House. He and his wife got vaccinated quietly, didn't do it publicly, didn't tell anybody, didn't say, like, you guys, we got the vaccine and it's great. Do it for yourself. Said nothing, got it in secret, and have been living their best lives. Meanwhile, there's a whole faction of his supporters who are anti-vaxxers the majority of Republicans don't want to get the vaccine and he could have basically told everyone hey y'all got the vaccine k-bye like no decided to get the vaccine silently and then had one stupid line in his speech of lies at CPAC where he was like y'all go get your shots now you heard we (laughs) Woo child, we are in bad shape in America. We are we just in bad shape. Not to mention how oh, the hearings this week about the Capitol riots were just I don't know about y'all, but I feel like they told me everything that we had already known. So the first hearing was with the FBI director, Christopher Ray, who Everybody was like, wow, it's been such a long time since we've seen you. Like, where have you been? And he was all like, I'm just trying to be quiet. So, you know, the former president didn't fire me, which shenanigans. But it was such a conflicting hearing to watch because it kind of felt like we were getting nowhere because you had Republicans trying to ask questions to get him to confirm that it was Antifa and BLM's fault that insurrectionists rushed the Capitol. It was just the most confusing thing. And then you had Democrats who were trying to pull it back to, okay, but like the fact of the matter is that these were clearly Trump supporters, right? And it was just back and forth, back and forth. It was like a ping pong match. It was so tiring that you'd have a Republican say okay but like remember over the summer and then you have a Democrat going but like so back to January 6th like that's how it was it was like a tug of war to try to stay on track because for some strange reason like we weren't there the Republicans are trying to make it seem like it was just Black Lives Matter and Antifa that infiltrated this happy group of protesters who were so peaceful and having a blast until the troublemakers came along, the real troublemakers came along and blew up the spot. But what's really funny is a man has been charged for rioting the Capitol and he explicitly said, explicitly, that he, a Trump supporter, dressed up like Antifa in all black because who knew that that was the national garb for Antifa? But apparently that's what that means. Wearing all black means you're Antifa. You guys remember that. So this guy, a Trump supporter, dressed up in all black as Antifa so he can do whatever he wanted to do. And that included brutalizing police officers. Because apparently because he was dressed in all black like an Antifa person. The police officers just let him beat up on them. But as soon as he put on his Trump hat baby. That's when they started pushing back. These are the people we're dealing with right? Wow. Republican senators are literally trying their best to change the narrative to say that this was BLM and Antifa. When we all know they were Trump supporters, they had Trump flags, they had Confederate flags, they were saying that Donald Trump sent them, they were telling them that their boss sent them there. These were not Antifa and BLM. We'd literally rather eat a jean jacket than to put on... Trump gear and go into a riot on the Capitol. Not to mention that the FBI director said, listen, we don't have any proof that these people were anti for Black Lives Matter. They've all said in their legal documents, they've all said that they were Trump supporters and they were there because the president sent them. They were there to stop the votes. (sighs) It was a tiring time, but basically what we learned is that the FBI had sent about three different types of communications, not just the email that was mentioned in the previous hearings that the uh, former chief of Capitol Police said he wasn't even aware about until 24 hours before his hearing. The FBI said they tried on multiple occasions to let the Capitol Police know that things were going to get ugly, maybe they should do something about that. Then the very next day, there was another hearing where the commanding general of the D.C. National Guard came in and just completely blew up the spot of, well, the previous administration did something about it right away. Can't use that excuse anymore. Why so, Brandy? Here's why. The commanding general of the DC National Guard said that they received a call around the one o'clock hour from the previous Capitol Police Chief and he was very distraught and he said we need help. Like we need y'all to get here aseptually. And he knew that it was very serious. However, in the days leading up to the riot, the rules for the chain of command and how the National Guard were to be requested had changed. And there were extra levels of approvals that he'd have to go through in order to just not only deploy the National Guard, but to even get them protective gear to go anywhere. The approvals had to go through extra layers of command, which included Michael Flynn's brother, Charles Flynn, and uh, another guy, his last name is Pyatt. But anyways, they were added level of approval in which he needed to go through just to get Approval to deploy the National Guard, which he said he thought was unusual because he'd never had to do that before. He also thought it was strange because he knew that the Capitol was being stormed and it was very serious to the point that he was expecting approval immediately, to the point where he had buses ready with troops on the buses. Waiting to head there. Because he knew he could get there in a matter of minutes. So Why did he know that, Brandy? I'm so glad you asked. He knew that because he had had to do it three times previously. In the summer. During the protests about Black Lives Matter. He was able to get his troops deployed in minutes. Like that. He was able to get them To where they needed to go in at least 15 to 20 minutes. He already knew this. He had done it before. It it was his thing at this point. So he was confusion when it took three whole hours for him to even receive approval to send the troops. Not three hours from oh, we got the call and then the approval was made. No, we got the call. We made the appropriate steps to get approval, to send the National Guard out. We were just waiting. And it took three hours for us to actually get confirmation of approval. So what happened in those three hours? Who was holding up the decision in those three hours? That's the question now. That's the question because we already know the rules were changed as far as how to request the National Guard. And we know that he followed the chain that he was supposed to, but we don't know why it took three hours to send approval that the National Guard could go in. Now, if you ask me, and I don't have any proof of this, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but if you ask me, Michael Flynn, who had just gotten a pardon not long before then, has a brother, Charles Flynn, who's in the chain of command. And it was originally said that he had no say in that chain of command. And we found out that that was a lie because he was in the chain of command. He was also on the phone call prior to January 6th when they said hey you know we might need national guard and he apparently was the one who said he or pile I can't remember one of the two of them said the optics they didn't want to do it because of the optics so once again you have Michael Flynn who got a pardon previous to this date whose brother is in the chain of command on whether to approve the request from the national card. And then you have a delayed request or a delayed approval for three hours. Now, y'all can put the pieces together yourself. Y'all can just put in pieces together yourself. That's how I feel about it. Anyways, hopefully in the days to come, because once again, I, I know they're not done with these hearings. They're going to keep having these hearings until they find the truth. I know that once again, there's talks about a commission, a independent private commission that would look into that day. There's so many investigations going on. The FBI is still investigating and they recently made it known that they do have the communications of everybody in and around that building. That includes... Congress people, their aides, the rioters, they have all of that communication and they are going through that communication to determine if any congressmen or women were in touch with any of the rioters or anyone who knew anything about the riots. Now, so far they have let it be known that they have not yet found any connections. They're not trying to say you guys are are on, in, under investigation, but what they are saying is that we have that communication and we're looking at it. As soon as they started popping off, they snatched the, that communication up really quick. So I thought that was also interesting because Josh Hawley, Senator Josh Hawley, you know, the one who gave the power fist to the insurrectionists that day, he was asking some interestingly pointed questions to the FBI director about what communication information they had and what they were doing with it. And the FBI director is kind of like, like minding our business? Like, why do you want to know? I thought it was rather interesting. And I was like, hmm, that doesn't look suspicious at all. But you know me, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Anyways, I just think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the days to come with that investigation and the continued investigation. I know that they recently charged someone who was actually a Trump appointee. I think that's the closest so far that they've gotten to someone who's actually like in the Trump circle, who was actually rioting and cutting the food at uh, the Capitol that day. So Once again, that's going to be interesting to see where that goes. And if anybody gets charged, (laughs) I'm not going to say I want people to get charged, but I really, I I don't even know if it's going to happen. But you you ask the congressmen and women what they think and they say, well, of course, if someone was, you know, cooperating with insurrectionists or whatever, if they were involved, they need to be expelled. But it's like... (laughs) Do we trust them to do that? We don't trust any of these guys. So we'll keep our eye out on that. Speaking of the house, before they actually had to shut down business on Thursday because of the threat to those quirky kids who believed that the former president was going to become president again on March fourth, they were able to pass two bills. One of them was H.R. 1, which I've mentioned previously on the podcast, the For the People Act that would expand mail-in voting. It would do automatic voter registration. It would allow same-day voter registration. It would get rid of bipartisan gerrymandering and redistricting because that's what the Republicans want to use to win back the House. And they absolutely can do that through redistricting and gerrymandering. So that's why that bill is very important. It's part of an effort to combat the ridiculously racist voter restriction laws that are being passed or you know, brought up in other states. 253 laws in 43 states. And Georgia and Arizona are the worst right now. And as we saw, those were two states that actually flipped blue in the 2020 election. So they got to do what they can to counter that because once again, the Republicans know that they are a shrinking white conservative base. And the only way that they can win is to cheat. I've said it before. I say it again, and I maintain it. They also passed the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act, which would actually call for Accountability in policing, it would get rid of qualified immunity, which allows police officers to act with impunity. It would also ask for independent investigations by other police agencies. Now, I have seen an argument over this because some people read that to mean like police investigating police. Other people read that to mean agencies such as the FBI or internal affairs investigating police departments when they do something wrong it would also not allow police officers to jump from district to district once they have you know something on their record or once they get in trouble for a certain thing and it would also open up a database that would have a police officers record so that you could see what previous incidents that police officers were involved in. Because a lot of times when we see police violence toward civilians, they've already been in that situation before. And it most likely could have resulted in someone not dying if this person would have actually faced the consequences of their actions before. They were already, you know, accused of police brutality multiple times in multiple ways, they're repeat offenders. Uh, we would have the visibility into those police records to see that. So two very important bills where they'll stand in the Senate, nobody knows because boy, oh boy, are we struggling right now. The Senate just narrowly by the hair of their and chin chins passed the covid relief bill that we've been discussing for weeks on this podcast the one that you know president biden introduced very early on into his presidency even i think before he had actually been inaugurated the one that was a little bit delayed because we had a little you know a little impeachment thing going on the one that will give people direct payments Will give money to schools so that they can get the resources they need to reopen safely. Would give money to families so that they could actually buy food to eat. Would extend employment benefits. All of those wonderful things narrowly passed. Well, let's talk about why. It's Republicans against Democrats. Should it be Republicans against Democrats? No, it should not be. But it is. What did I mention earlier? Blind loyalty to a leader who still hasn't even mentioned the fact that over 500,000 people passed away from COVID and hundreds of thousands of them did not have to, but he was an inept leader. Loyalty to him and to show that they are united, even if it's against the people. Let's look at their arguments. The Republicans said it's too expensive. The bill is too expensive. It's too much money. We just passed a billion dollar bill back in December. We still haven't even used all of that money. It's too much. But you know what's really interesting is that it was not too much money when the Republicans in 2017, through reconciliation, which is the same process that the Democrats are using now did a $1.9 trillion tax bill that offered relief to the wealthy. Tax cuts for the wealthy and about 83% of that bill actually only benefited the 1%. The 1%. The people you know that got over a trillion dollars richer during a pandemic where people are in food lines, And have lost their jobs while people that make over $100,000 are fighting about giving them $1,400 or raising the minimum wage, which we all know could not be included because the parliamentarian said that that was not so. Now that upset very many progressives and Democrats because they felt like we should just overrule the parliamentarian. It's been done before or they should just get rid of the hurt. That's also been done before. But that's not the way that the current president wanted to do things. And it didn't guarantee that we'd get the votes because terrible Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, which we'll get to in a second. So the Republicans said, "Oh, it's too expensive, but not tax cuts for the rich. That's a whole different thing. Then the Republicans said it's not COVID relief. But if you look at everything in the bill, and then you look at everything in their bill last year, It's the same stuff. Oh, it's not targeted, but it's the same thing from your bill. Maybe a little bit more money, but it's the same thing from from your bill back in, in March last year, you know, a whole year ago when you gave people the first check, same stuff, but suddenly it's not COVID relief. It's democratic and progressive pet projects. I'm sorry. Giving people relief is a pet project? Expanding unemployment is a pet project. State and local funding is a pet project, which Republican and Democratic governors have said, please, please, we need. That's a pet project. It's not COVID relief. (laughs) Give me a freaking break. Fixing a problem that probably wouldn't have been a problem if Republicans didn't break it in the first place, but it's not COVID relief. Anyways, they also tried to say that it was just a blue state bailout and it was a, a liberal b- bill that was only for, you know, Democrats and progressives, which is insane to me because once again, I know Jen Psaki wants to just snatch her lips off every time she has to say that over 70% of Americans support the bill. That's Democrats. That's Republicans. That's Independence. On average, over 70% of Americans support the bill because whether you live in a red or a blue state, COVID doesn't care. COVID does not care if you're a Trump supporter or a Biden supporter. COVID does not care if your CEO is a Trump supporter or a Biden supporter. People have lost their jobs, people have gotten sick. They've lost loved ones. They've lost their ability to work because they're still dealing with long-term effects of a novel virus that the government did jack Diddley squat to combat for the first few months because they were pretending it was a hoax that the Democrats made to make the previous president look bad. Do you know how stupid that sounds? And maybe if Republicans weren't on Fox News Crying about Dr. Seuss and Mr. or dare I say, Potato Head, because we can't call him Mr. anymore. Maybe they would know that their constituents actually need help. They actually need what's in the COVID bill. They actually could stand to get the help that the COVID bill gives. I'm not kidding with you guys. For days, for days, the coverage on Fox News was about Dr. Seuss because Democrats and Joe Biden have canceled Dr. Seuss. Let me explain what happened with Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss was racist. We know this. The man was alive in like 1904. Okay. He he had a little bit of racist in him. And so he had about six books that were very blatantly racist. They had caricatures, of stereotypical cartoons that were used at that time to offend black people i think one of the books even said the n-word and joe biden didn't say anything kamala harris didn't say anything the progressives and the moderate democrats weren't the ones who said anything it was his own estate who was like oh ooh, yikes by the way, maybe we should stop printing these books for purchase. These six offensive books. Maybe we should not print these anymore. But you can still buy The Cat in the Hat, The Lorax, all the places you'll go Red Fish, Blue Fish, One Fish, Two Fish, Who Fish, You Fish. You can buy all of those books. But you can't buy the books that say nigger in them. And oh my God, this upset the Republicans so much that instead of talking about a COVID relief bill that would actually help their constituents in their states, instead of talking about their Congress member who has recently had sexual assault allegations launched upon him himself, Madison Cawthorn they actually had him on Fox News and they didn't ask him about that but they asked him about Dr. Seuss but yes the Democrats are the problem the Democrats are the problem and don't think that the Democrats are off the hook because Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema come here to the floor we need to talk to y'all oh my god so part of the reason in the first place that The 15 hour minimum wage was on shaky ground to begin with. Was Joe Manchin and Cursing Cinema, who don't care if people are poor. But you know what the kicker is back in 2014, Cursing Cinema was all in for raising the minimum wage. It's all on her Twitter. She tweets about it. She's saying the same arguments that Bernie is today. People shouldn't be working their faces off and still can't afford to live. But yesterday, she clonked herself all down to the Senate floor and curtsied her way into a thumbs down when there was a vote about minimum wage. It's like, girl, girl, could you be any more tone deaf? The eight people that voted against the minimum wage hike, the, the eight Democrats, because nobody really cared about Republicans. We all knew that they weren't going to support it. But the eight Democrats, of the eight Democrats that voted no on raising the minimum wage or adding an amendment, Kirsten Cinema has the most constituents in her state that earn minimum wage and would actually have been affected by a minimum wage increase, almost 900,000. That's almost a million constituents in Arizona who would have benefited off of a minimum wage increase. And Kirsten, with her quirky ways, walked right in and gave them a big F you. I just, (laughs) and as if that wasn't enough, by the time we got to unemployment benefits, Joe Manchin, Joe, 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 Joe. The voting for the unemployment benefits was stalled for about nine hours because Joe Manchin would not get on board with the, I think it's the tax credits or I think they decided not to tax like the first 10,000 of the unemployment benefits and apparently he didn't know about that and he didn't like that and it's bad enough that the monthly stipend had already moved from that extra 400 to 300 so they had already taken it down hundred dollars but now it's not enough for it to be at the end of september it has to only be extended until the first week of September. And it's not enough for the first 10000 of it to not be taxed. Nine hours they had to solve because of Joe Manchin, who was basically threatening to agree with the Republicans on their <laughs> unemployment benefit amendment. All in all, finally they were able to come to an agreement with Joe Manchin, which saw the unemployment benefits move from $400 a week until the end of September with that $10K tax exemption to $300 extra until the first week of September with that $10K tax credit. Now, the excuse they used was, oh, well... It would be helpful if it, it ended around the beginning of September because it will be right before Labor Day and right before we take a recess. And then we would be able to kind of come together and f- determine what to do at the time if we need to extend it in opposed to going on a break and it pops, possibly lasting while we are, I guess, you know, on whatever hundreds of vacations that they take. The point is this. Why does everything have to be held up for one person? I think it was a real bum move on Joe Manchin's part to basically hold out for that long for so little. What does he get out of it? What does he get out of cutting unemployment benefits? What do he and Kirsten get out of not approving $15 an hour minimum wage. Now, to be fair, they both approve of some sort of minimum wage increase, but not $15 because that's too much. How is $15 an hour too much when it's only about $31,000 a year if you work 40 hours a week and that's before taxes? Tell me how millionaires get to say that $31,000 a year if you work 40 hours a week and before taxes is too much. And please stop telling me the economy and inflation. Like, I don't think those are good excuses to keep people in poverty. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Not to mention, Ron Johnson. What a jerk. In order to delay the inevitable, because I think we all knew that this bill was going to pass, even though it was narrowly got through. Uh, the only reason that I think it passed without VP Kamala actually breaking the tie is because, unfortunately, one of the Republican senators had to go home because his father-in-law passed. So, had he not left, the tie would have had to be broken. So, we knew that most likely that it was going to pass. But Ron Johnson, Mr. Conspiracy himself, made the clerks read the entire 628-page bill in its entirety, on Thursday night. And this took them 10 hours and about 45 minutes. What a disgusting thing to do. Now, the clerks are apparently, um, they're supposedly bipartisan. But I think I would have been partisan after that night. I think I'd have been partisan. Everyone left about an hour or two into the reading. Everyone left because why are we doing this? What do we gain? What do you gain? What is this for? Ron Johnson himself did not stay through the entirety. He ended up leaving, which is why at the end of the reading, a Democrat senator was able to make a motion to reconvene at 9 a.m. the next morning And only have three hours of debate. It was supposed to be 20 hours, but he made the motion for it to only be three hours. And because there was no one there to object, it worked. But then we have Joe Manchin holding up a vote for nine hours because he wants to be a pain. I just don't get the politics. I don't think I ever will. I don't get playing politics with people's lives. I don't get. Using opposition to relief as a way to stick it to Democrats to show your loyalty to a man who doesn't care if these people get relief or not. Okay? Oh, I don't get it. I don't get it. But the bill passed. Thank goodness. It will now move to the House. I don't know if they actually have to have the chance to make amendments to the bill. I think they do, um, but I don't know if they have that option. But it now moves on to them, and then they have to do the final vote. And, oh, my God, honest to goodness, I hope that they can stick together so that this can finally be passed so that these people can get relief. Like, it's literally been a year, and the American people have still only gotten – $1,800. $1,800. And it's just really disgusting to see how politics played out this week. Like it's embarrassing. And I get that every every side wants what they wants, but it, it really feels disheartening when it feels like one side actually wants to help and the other side just wants to be contrarian so that they can keep power. Like I don't, I don't understand how anyone could continue to vote for these people. I know they will. I know that they will, but I don't I don't understand it. And I think it's really sad. So anyways, I guess we guys still have Dr. Seuss to perk us up and lift our spirits. So I think that's all for me today on Did You Hear the News? Thank you guys for listening. Check me out next week as we continue to discuss the shenanigans going on in Washington. Bye.